Hi everybody, it's Beggy Bloomstein, and we're back um, with episode six of Holy Woman. I'm just gonna give it a second for people to join. Hi. Okay, Hulda is definitely one of the least known prophetesses. People are like, Hulda? Huh, who's that? Um, and it's interesting, hi Shifra. Um, she is very much connected to this week. I did not plan it, but she's very much connected to the story of Tishabov and to the story of the ultimate redemption. So we're going to get to that. I'll give you guys a minute to join. Okay. So in order to understand the story of Hulda, we're just going to set the scene and the timeline of where she comes in from. So we'll just recap our previous prophecies. So we already went through Sarah and Miriam, and they are definitely in the Chamisha Chamshe Torah. They are part of the five books of Moshe. And then we started learning about Devorah, and Devorah lived during the time of the judges, once the Jewish people were in the land of Israel, before the base of Mekdash. Then we learned the story of Hannah, who gave birth to Shmuel, and she lived during the time of the last of the judges. And then Shmuel actually was the prophet who coronated David HaMelech, and David HaMelech was married to Abigail. So that was last week. So we are all cut up um, on our prophetesses, and now we're up to Huldah. So after David HaMelech was king, that's where we left off last week, previously on Holy Women, um, David HaMelech's son, Shlomo HaMelech, actually built the second Beis HaMikdash. And Shlomo um, ruled for a nice amount of time. And after Shlomo, the Malchus actually split between Malchus Beis David and Malchus Yisrael. So we have the 10 tribes, and then we have within the kingdom of Yehuda, we have Yehuda and Binyamin and Leviim. So this story takes place under the rule of the kingdom of Yehuda. And after Shlomo and after it split, there were some kings who were doing incredible, who brought the people closer to Hashem, who connected to the people, and everything was good. And then there were some kings who actually were not good, and they were really evil, and they brought a lot of Israel to do Avodah so one of those kings, his name was Menashe, and he's pretty infamous for that. Menashe was one of the bad guys, and he brought the people to worship idols. He filled the streets of Yushalayim with idols. He took every single Sefer Torah, and he crossed out the name of Hashem, and he put another, a name of a different idol, and he caused the Jewish people to be chote, really, really bad. Um, the good news is that um, Menashe, at the end of his life, actually did teshuva, and he was incredible. But the bad news is that the damage was done, and the seeds of destruction were already planted during the time of Menashe. Now, Menashe's son, Amon, actually followed in his ways, and he was really pretty bad too. And Amon died young, and his son, Yoshiahu, became king when he was eight years old. Now, the story of Hulda takes place during King Yoshiahu. After Yoshiahu, there were four more kings, and then the Jewish people were taken into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, and then the Besamekdash was destroyed. So we're coming close to the end, about to be exile, and the Jewish people are in a very bad state. 
Now, Yoshiahu was incredible, and he started a teshuva campaign before they were like GoFundMe or any you know of these organizations. He went out there and he started to bring the Jewish people back to Hashem. He started teshuva. He wanted to bring them closer. He sent people out there on the streets, and he had them destroy and break all the idols. He set up a building fund to fix up the Beis Hamikdash to clean it all up. He sent scholars out to people's homes to make sure that nobody had any like Avodazara in their house to get rid of all Avodazara. He was out there. He was on a mission. He was going to change it. He recognized that his father and his grandfather messed up, but he was going to change it. And he really felt that by him doing this, perhaps he can bring the ultimate redemption. Now, what happened was while he was doing the renovations and he was cleaning up and he had this building fund going, he had them actually fix up the whole base on Dash. He sent the Kohan in there. He's like, clean it up, get new vessels, fix things up, clean things up, do whatever you need to do. And the Kohen Gadol at that time was cleaning up and he found a Torah he didn't just find any Torah, he found the Torah, okay? And he quickly called Yoshiahu because he got really, really nervous. Now, at that point, his name was Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu was the Kohen Gadol. And he said, I found the Sefer Torah and it was opened up to a part of the Tochacha, which really, really scared him. And when he read that piece to Yoshiahu, Yoshiahu ripped his clothing and he went into a state of mourning and he recognized this can't be good. And the specific place that it was open up to, it said, Hashem is going to send you away. There's going to be a king, the king that you appointed upon yourself, right? The king that you appointed, you asked for yourself, whoever it was at that point was Yoshiahu. Eventually it was going to be Tzidkiyahu, who was going to be taken into exile to the nation that he's going to send you to the nation that's foreign to you, for you and for your forefathers. Basically, they opened up that, that Sefer Torah was opened up to a part of the Tochacha and they got really, really scared because they recognized that it was a message from Hashem that you did something wrong and you're going to get punished. Now, when it says the Sefer Torah, why wasn't it just they found a Sefer Torah? What was the Sefer Torah referring to? So remember I was telling you that Menashe, Yoshio's grandfather went through every single Sefer Torah and crossed out the name of Hashem and put the name of an idol there. What ended up happening was there was one Sefer Torah, the original Sefer Torah that was written by Moshe Rabbeinu that was supposed to be the Sefer Torah that was the blueprint for all the other Torahs to be copied from. When they realized that he took the Sefer Torah that was, when they realized that Menashe was ravaging every single Torah, they took this Sefer Torah, the Kohen Gadol at that time, took the Sefer Torah, the original Sefer Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu, and he hid it away so that Menashe does not get to that one. This was the Sefer Torah. So that one was hidden. And the way that Torah, a Torah scroll is, is that it's read, right, by Anshavis, and then it's rolled up to that specific point. But when they found it, after it was ravaged, when they found this Sefer Torah, the Sefer Torah, it was literally open to the Tochacha, and they got so scared because this was rebuke, this was a sign from Hashem, and they did not know how to interpret it. So Yoshiho got really scared, and he went and he called upon Cholda Hanaviyah. So now, 
obviously there's an elephant in the room because there was a very famous prophet and his name was Yermio. And Yermio was the one who was telling the Jewish people that they need to return to Hashem for 48 years. He was telling the people, you guys are messing up. Hashem is going to come. Hashem is going to send an enemy. He's going to destroy the Beit HaMikdash. So why didn't they just go to the ultimate prophet of, you know, of the exile? Or why didn't they go to Tsefania, who was also a big prophet at then? Why specifically did they go to Chola? So the Gemara says that women are, have more Rachmanis, are more compassionate than men. Hold that thought, okay? So he calls upon Hulda and he sends messengers to Hulda to ask her how she would interpret such a strong message from Hashem because it seemed really scary that Hashem was literally sending them a sign. And meanwhile, Yoshio is on his tshuva companion. He's trying to bring people closer to Hashem. So what's going on here? So Hulda hears this message. And what does it say about Hulda? It says that Hulda, who was she? She was married to a very nice man who was also actually a prophet. His name was Shalom. And she was a descendant, Hulda and her husband were actually related. They were probably, you know, second cousins or third cousins. They were both descendants of Yehoshua and Rahav. Remember the story back of Yehoshua when Yehoshua conquered the land of Israel? Yehoshua was married to Rahav and they were promised that prophets and prophetesses were going to come from them. And Hulda and Shalom, her husband, were one of them. And she was a very intelligent woman. She was very smart. She was very compassionate. And she sat at Sha'ar Cholda. She had actually a gate named after her and lands um, around, surrounded me. So there are different entrances. And one of them is actually called Sha'ar Cholda. And she sat there and she would give prophecy to the women. So Yermiyahu gave prophecy to the men. Safania gave prophecy to the scholars. And Cholda gave prophecy to the women. She was a descendant of Yeshua and Rachel. She was obviously a very special woman. When she gets this message from the king, she says, Yoshio, you're right. The message from Hashem is right. It is correct, and the bad will come, and you guys are going to be sent into exile. However, because you have softened your heart, because you started the roadway of Teshuvah, and you planted that seed of Teshuvah, Hashem will also soften his heart, and Hashem will eventually redeem you, and you will die a peaceful death if you listen to me. So if any of you know how Yoshiahu died, he died anything but peaceful. He actually died by war from an enemy that came and attacked him and he had 300 arrows thrown at him. So that was a very gory death. That's anything but peaceful. So what was Holder referring to? Because you have softened your heart and because you began this sugar process, Hashem will eventually redeem you. Cholda left this message for Yoshiahu, and Yoshiahu understood that he started something. He started this tshuva campaign, this tshuva process, that will eventually lead to the ultimate redemption. And when he got this message, he quickly sent the Levium to take the Arum, okay, that had within it the Luchos, and go hide it in its hiding spot. When Shlomo HaMelech built the base HaMikdash, Shlomo had prophecy, obviously, and he knew that it's a possibility that Jewish people are going to mess up. So he built under the Kodesh Kedashim a secret cave. If any of you have been to the tunnel tours, you know what it's like down there. It's really cool. He built this secret cave that eventually, if the Jewish people do mess up, they can hide the Aron here. And Chodza conveyed this message to Yoshiahu. He told the Levium, run take the Aron and go down there and hide it. 
And because, and if you do this, hold said, if you do this, you will die a peaceful death because you will know that you ensured that the Jewish people will one day be able to come back. Had that Aaron stayed in the Beis HaMikdash, the Jewish people, that's it. The exile, the Gullus would have been final and we would not have been able to return. But because it was hidden, it means that there's an inkling, there's a hope that we'll eventually be able to be returning to the land of Israel. And we can always tap into what that Aaron means. The Aaron is where the Shekhinah resides. The Shekhinah rests between the two Kruvim. That means if it's hidden and it's not damaged or tainted, we can always tap into that power of the Aaron. And just so you know, the menorah was also hidden. The second menorah was actually taken by Titus, but the first menorah, the one that was built for the first Beis HaMikdash is hidden, and so is the Mishkan. The Mishkan was also hidden. Although the first and second Beis HaMikdash were destroyed, the Mishkan is hidden somewhere else. And when we light Hanukkah candles, we are tapping into that original menorah that's hidden from us. When we are yearning for exile, we can tap into that power that Hashem Shechina is hiding somewhere. Some of us can reveal it more than others, but it's out there and it's up to you to tap into it. When Cholda sent this message to Yoshiahu, Yoshiahu recognized that him hiding it will ensure that the Beis HaMikdash will eventually be rebuilt and the Jewish people will come back. And Cholda, as compassionate as she was as a female, right? We say that women, the Chazal say that women are more compassionate than men. Yoshiahu knew that if he would have spoken to Yermiyahu or Tzafanya, they would have spoken these words very harshly. However, a woman is able to understand that when she interprets her nevuah, she gives it with a taste of Rahmanas. What's Rahmanas? What's kindness? What's compassion? Hashem created this world and Hashem ultimately created this world with judgment. And when you do something wrong, you get punished, right? That's the midah of judgment. But what's the midah of Rahmanas? And what's brought out here by Cholda, that yes, you can mess up, but I'm gonna allow you to fix your mistake. And that's what tshuva is. That's what Yoshiyahu, together with the help of Cholda, created. That there was always going to be hope. Cholda's message was a message of hope for the Jewish people. That although you're gonna go into exile and it's going to be bad and there's gonna be a destruction and then and the Babylonians are going to come, and then the second base of Mikdash, and the Romans are going to come, and the Spanish are going to come, and the Greeks are going to come, and it's going to be terrible. One day, you are going to get out. The Mita of Rahmanas is similar to the Hebrew word of Rechem. It comes from that word of Rechem. The Hebrew word for a womb is a Rechem. Women are created with a womb, and that womb allows you to understand that although for nine months you don't know what's going on, things are developing, right? You can ask a guy, they have no idea, the baby, how it feels, is it kicking? Oh, that's super cool. But only a woman, and especially a woman in the first trimester, nobody even knows that she's pregnant, yet she feels it. Whether she's vomiting, or she feels a baby kicking, or she feels a baby having hiccups, or rolling over, a woman knows that something is ticking inside, and it's gonna take nine months for it to become perfect. And when it's ready, it's going to be amazing. A woman is able to understand that during exile, it's going to be dark and it's going to be difficult, but I'm not going to give up because I know that at the end of this, there is going to be hope and it's going to be amazing. We have something similar when we spoke about Miriam during the time of the Jewish people in Mitzrayim. 
when the men, they're like, ah, we're giving up, right? Like Amram, he even divorced Yochebed. He's like, I can't bring children into this world. How can I bring children into this world? They're going to die. And Miriam said, no, no, no. My parents are going to have a child who's going to be the savior of the Jewish people. You better get remarried so that Moshe can be born. And when he's born, after he takes the Jewish people out, I'm going to be standing there on the other side of the water with my drums and my tambourine, and I'm going to be singing the praises of Hashem. So too, Holda, she saw, even though it was going to be bad, it was going to be really bad, and it's going to be really dark. You, Yoshiahu, you are going to plant the seed of Teshuvah that will eventually be born, and the second Beis HaMikdash, and then the third Beis HaMikdash is going to be built. Yoshiahu recognized that he needed Rachamim, he needed mercy, he needed a woman who has a womb, who understands that things can be very dark and very scary, and you won't understand it, but eventually something will come. And that's the message of hope that Hulda leaves us. And it's always so fascinating when it comes to these prophets and prophetesses. There's only 48 prophets and seven prophetesses that are recorded in the Torah. And the reason that those ones are recorded is because their message is for the future. Hulda's message is a message of hope, a message of mercy that Hashem will always be there for us. And as we get into this week of Tishabav, I mean, we think about the darkness that we've been through and all the destruction and all the Holocaust and inquisitions and the bad things, but hold us, keeping us, it keeps teaching us that message of hope that yes, it's going to be bad, but you're going to be born again and it's going to be even better. So I wish you all an easy fast this week and I hope that even at the end of this Tisha B'av, we can say that Tisha B'av will become a yantif and that we will not have any more Tisha B'avs. You know, they say that, Chazal says that Mashiach is going to be born on Tisha B'av. And I think that's the message of Huldah, that there is hope and Mashiach will be born on this sad and difficult day when the Beis HaMikdash will be destroyed. So thank you all for joining and I hope you have an easy and meaningful fast.